Big Mally from Big Brother Season 17, and you are listening to The Recap. DJ Earworm, and you're listening to The Recap. Hi, I'm Heather McDonald, and you're listening to The Recap. It's American Idol winner Nick Fradiani, and you are listening to The Recap. Welcome to The Recap. I'm Erin McClory. And I'm Carly Miller. And today we're joined by a very special guest, and that is Stephen John from Are You The One Season 4. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. We're, uh, thank you guys for having me. We're very excited. Big fans of the show. So I'm extremely excited. I would go out on a limb to say you're probably the most memorable person, not only from season four, but since I started watching in season two, you are definitely one of the most memorable. Really? That means a lot. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, cheesing. I'm cheesing right now. Oh, good, good. Well, I want to start by talking about why you ultimately decided to go on the show. Oh, that's such a good question. Okay. So I'm going to say you this. I was actually... In college, I just graduated. It was, the, it was the day of graduation, and I got home from, like, all the graduation festivities and parties. I was on Facebook, and I saw an ad for Are You The One? I don't know why it popped up, but uh, I decided just, like, oh, I'll fill out the basic, you know, they want, like, a picture of you, your name, your height, your age, where you're from. So I did that, thinking nothing of it. You know, four, four or five months had gone by because I had accidentally applied for season three. So I'm on the first, so I went up going on a date for the first, I don't, I didn't really usually go on date dates. I went on a date with this girl. I went up obviously not dating her, but actually around November, four or five months later, already the one calls me and says, Hey, you applied for the last season, but we kind of want you to go through the casting for this season. Are you in or are you out? And I was like, holy, you know, I'm in. <laughs> and lo and behold, two, three months after that, I wind up flying out to Hawaii. Now, you mentioned hearing back a few months later and all that. And so with that being said, what was the process of going on the show leading up to actually being in Hawaii? Okay, I'll tell you this. The process of being on Are You The One is way longer and harder than most people think. Um, It started off with, after that initial phone call, I had another phone call, like a 15, 20-minute phone call with uh, someone from casting or producing. After that phone call, I had we uh, I had to fill out like a questionnaire that took me at least two hours to, to fill out. After that questionnaire, I had a Skype interview with a producer about two weeks after that. Then another two weeks after that, I had another Skype interview with a different producer. And then another two weeks after that, I had to fill out, I had to do a home audition tape. And after that, once I got cleared for the home audition tape, then they get who they think is their core, you know, favorite people fly them out to LA, then you do in-person interviews in LA, and then once that's over, then you figure out whether you're on the show or not. And I'll tell you this, when you're in LA for the in-person interviews, you're still one of 100. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, that that's definitely process. not, I, yeah, I think it's fair to say that that's not what people think it is. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. clearly by the time uh, you've made it through the process, you're kind of committed. Like, you clearly want to do the show if you go through that process. Yeah, I um, I quit my job before the LA interview. <laughs> That's dedication. Absolutely. Well, in my mind, I was like, listen, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to meet these people. And the minute they meet me, because they've already met me through the web, if I'm just who they think I am and I know what they want, they're going to want me there. So I was like, I'm quitting my job. Uh, they're like, why? I'm like, I'm going to be going for the next couple months. And then probably into a year doing all these things on TV. So now, 
Well, and lo and behold, I was done. You definitely were, I think, what they were looking for. You added a lot to the season. We're going to get to that. But first, we want to talk about the fact that Carly and I have talked about a lot on our show how there's kind of a stigma associated with going on reality shows to find love and whether or not people are really going on to find love or if they're just going for the experience and whatnot. And we're kind of wondering, now that you've been through it, how do you respond to that? I don't know. Is it safe to say that you found love on the show? I don't want to jump to conclusions. Uh, I mean, you don't have to jump to the conclusion, but it is safe to say that, like, uh, there is a stigma. I mean, it's not like you can expect to fall in love with a reality show. It sounds so far-fetched and, you know, not really true. But, I mean, you, you got to always hope for the needle in the haystack. And I can honestly say I think I was the needle in the haystack. I mean, I'm with Julia now still from the show. It's been a year since we filmed. And now we live together in West Hollywood. That's, that's awesome. Amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it, it's had our, it's had its ups and downs, but I don't think it's going anywhere else from this point on now. That's such a good mentality to have. Yeah, as Aaron mentioned before, it's just something that we've really dug in, whether it be The Bachelor or Are You the One. There's definitely the stigma of how well do you know this person post filming and and the odds of this relationship really lasting. But as you just said yourself, it's been a year since you guys stopped filming, and and so that's a phenomenal mentality to to take away from it. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we're the only really couple still together from our season. I mean, it just, it's hard when you get out of a show and you get back into real reality. And you got to really learn to deal with things as like a real couple. It's not, not like fantasy world anymore. Right. That's something I also want to touch on. So obviously, it's no secret that the ups and downs have been in the public eye. I mean, it was on the aftermatch with you and Julia going through some struggles. It was on MTV's website. It was all over social media. Is it harder having your relationship be in the public eye and having the struggles as well as the ups be so public? Yeah, I mean, it's extremely hard having your relationship, you know, put on blast, especially on social media 24-7 because everything you do, everything everyone is looking at, and they always have something to say. I mean, I mean, I think we're just getting to the point where we go on Instagram Live together and people have stopped asking about Vegas. Like, and it's been two, three months. Right. Like, it takes, it takes a while. People just are always wanting to know what you're doing, what happened. They want, like, they want answers for everything, and sometimes you can't give them answers because your personal life, you just sometimes have to leave as your personal life. And that's hard. I think that's what me and Julia kind of, like, figured out over a while. I mean, it took us a year to really get everything together and figure out how to live this life. But now that we figured it out, I think it's just smooth sailing. I think it's, I think it's hard. I mean, that's why like 90% of these couples don't last because they don't want to work with each other. Like, it's not going to be easy leaving the show and having everyone, you know, nitpicking every angle of your life. Like, oh, why did you delete that picture of her? Why aren't they together in that picture? Where, every time I jump on live, where's Julia? Where's Julia? Where's Julia? Until she pops into the frame. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people aren't good at working with. Right. I mean, you share one thing and people think that they have now an obligation to know what you're doing every second of your day with Julia. I mean, she goes on and she talks about Mm -hmm. Vegas for five minutes and all of a sudden it's what you're being asked about for the next two months. And really, you've moved on from it, but the rest of America apparently hasn't and they think it's their right to bring it up all the time. That's got to be hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard. It is hard, but you just got to work together as a couple and work through things. Right. And you guys clearly have. And I want to talk a little bit more about Julia and going back to when you guys were on the show together, because there were clearly other people going after Julia. And we'll talk about John. We'll talk about Gio. Why did you feel so strongly that you needed to fight for her? 
Ooh, I, I honestly think the reason I fall for it, I'll tell you this, which they don't show is Julie and I really didn't like each other the first couple of weeks of the show. We really didn't like each other. We were the first enemies of the house. And they didn't show that. Um, I just didn't like the way that she was acting off the bat. I was kind of like showing everyone in the uh, – because we have guys' rooms and girls' rooms. And um, all the guys were talking about, like, the girls they liked the most. And, you know, guys were constantly talking about Julian. I kind of just wanted to lay back and just see how things played out with her. And, like, the whole John Truth booth, I was kind of one of the people that helped push that into happening into the Truth booth. So I didn't win a match. And um, I don't know, we became really good friends. And it's funny about this, because me and her were just kind of like re- rehashing, not only rehashing, just reminiscing on um, how we kind of met and like the small moments that didn't get to show on the, sh- on the, on the show. Like that's like playing, I think the first time I ever talked to her, we played in ping pong together. Mm-hmm. And we saw how many volleys you could do until we got to 100. And like, because me and her weren't friends. We weren't friends. Like, I called her out. I didn't. She we yelled at each other for like two straight weeks, and then we had little moments, and we became really good friends. And from being friends, we just we got to have intimate tough conversations with each other, and then our relationship just blossomed out of becoming friends. Now, you yourself mentioned the fact that you kind of pushed John into pursuing, or rather, going into the truth booth with Julia. And so just to touch upon that, we see John and Julia go into the truth booth in episode two, and then Julia and, Ju- Ju- I'm sorry. Julia and Gio. Gio and, this is a tongue twister right now. A lot of J's, a lot of G's. But mm-hmm. Julia and Gio go in in episode eight. And so I know you just mentioned how you encouraged John in a sense. So did you want them to enter the truth booth? At that point, were you confident that they weren't matches? I know you mentioned in the beginning you and Julia weren't really friends. But by episode eight, are you guys more intimate or not at that point either? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at that point, me and Julia are full-on relationships. Like, we're full-on by episode eight, and me and her are sleeping in the queen bed together every night. Like, we're, we're hanging out, spending all our days, all our meals together, like, back to that. And at that point, I was kind of like, that, the Geo Week 8 thing was big. I mean, you gotta, I, at that point, I'd seen so many match and no matches that were confusing. You gotta just, you don't know how that game works. You don't know how it works. So you get nervous, you know? And like, I kind of did want to push that because I had to roll the dice. I was more confident in what we had than what was what he was guessing. So I just had to go with my gut and really, you know, but let it happen. Let right. them go into the truth and, and let it happen. Yeah, and I mean, we saw the outcome of that, and we saw then how it kind of exploded in a sense at the matchup ceremony with Gio not really accepting the fact that you wanted to pursue Julia and he was going to pursue it when he had promised you, you know, he was going to wait until the door had closed between you and Julia before he would do it. He didn't take, he didn't take that to heart. He didn't do that. And he, he crossed you and, and you made it clear that that wasn't going to fly. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, the thing, the sad thing was that you and I were really good friends before that. I mean, if you were to ask anyone how, they say in the first three weeks, four weeks, you were the best, best, closest of friends with me and Gia. And I don't know if that was him being close to me. And then, because if you think about it, if me and Gia were that close, and I was hanging around with Julia, and he's with Caitlin, obviously his eyes were wandering when we were all hanging, hanging out. So that's what came about. 
you mentioned the friendship that you once had with Gio. And so with that being said, what are your thoughts on both Gio and John now? Do you communicate with them at all post-show? And are you still in touch with anyone from the show for that matter? Of course, with the exception of Julia. Um, Gio, John, I mean, I really have really no hard feeling. I'm not going like, to be friends with them. Um, I've had some conversations with Gio since randomly. Like, uh, you know, sporadically, maybe once every three, four months, randomly. I haven't talked to John since the show. Um, really, you know, the only people besides Julie that I really talked to, I mean, we've, I've seen Kaylin a couple times with Julia in L.A., uh, random phone calls from maybe Prosper or Tori. Um, I've, been, I've stayed really close with Morgan. Um, he, we and him usually talk once every – we used to talk once a week, and now it's like once every couple weeks because, you know, life just happens. Yeah, that's my relationship. He's uh, always a good friend, but you know, he's busy here and God knows what. He's all over the world. Yeah, I have, to, I have to ask. You mentioned a lot of people from your season, the ones that you did still communicate with. A lot of them are on Are You the One Second Chances right now. Have you gotten to check that out? Yeah. It's actually uh, one of me and Julia's favorite shows to watch. Yeah. We, we love watching it because, I mean, we just know all of them. So it's just yeah. watching and just we get a kick out of it because it's all of our friends. Or not. I mean, yeah, they're our friends. We call them our friends. I mean, we got some ups and downs, but they're still <laughs> our gang. Yeah. Uh, I want to jump back to the truth booth for a second and talk about the fact that obviously you and Julia, you never entered the truth booth. So you really never figured out until the end if you were a match or not. What do you think would have transpired had the two of you gotten to go into the truth booth and been a confirmed no match? Do you think that would have hindered your relationship or do you think that it was just too strong and you would have just had to keep pursuing each other? I think timing is evident with that. In the week, like maybe the fourth, fifth, sixth week of the show, I avoided the truth with Julia for that specific reason. Because I feel like if I would have, if we would have figured out we were a no match too soon, I think that would have hindered the relationship. Because I mean, obviously, she would have wanted to play the game and like seen and met other people. And I, and I will admit that I kind of avoided the truth booth so that wouldn't happen. It was kind of like my safety net. Whereas, like, we found out week eight that we weren't a match. That's so late in the game that's kind of like why change the pace definitely that makes sense I want to ask you about kind of the rules of the show I mean I don't remember who it was but it was a few seasons ago and there was a different podcast I was listening to and they were talking about the rules of how they like couldn't write anything down and and it was hard to keep track of who sat with who and whatnot and they also had mentioned that before the matchup ceremonies, they they talked to producers and they gave them like their top three of who they were going to pick. And if their first one was picked, they had to pick their second. And I don't know how much you're allowed to talk about kind of the behind the scenes and the okay. rules. But if there's kind of mm-hmm. any little secrets that you want to share and are allowed to share, we would love to hear them. Ooh, like a secret. Secret, secret, secret. Oh, it's, so, it's so hard because like, like behind the scenes secrets. There's more of, of um, like, what they didn't show. Okay. Kind of, like, information. Information, like I said, like, um, things they didn't show. Is like, I don't, like I said in the beginning, like, me and Julia were fighting terribly. Like, that was, like, probably, I'll say in the house, says John freaking out. That was probably the worst on-camera fight that didn't happen at a match of with Julia. We were screaming. The Kayla was behind her. John was behind her. Um, there's just so many moments that just like 
didn't show. I mean, I mean, moments where like me and Prosper got into it after the Adam and Eve party, like terrible, like fights where it's like the moments. I mean, Geo, Geo. I mean, they couldn't show enough of Geo exploding. It was like a <laughs> constant, just it was a constant wheel of explode, apologize, laugh, and act like everything's okay, and do something crazy again, and just it would rotate. So you mentioned what wasn't shown, and I think that that takes us to the question, and that's the power of the edit, and it's something that we've mentioned before in the past, and that's kind of with any reality show, how much power the edit has, and that's kind of the the influence that you can depict a person just by the footage that you choose to show. Do you believe in the power mm-hmm. of the edit? And of course, that's not to say that this stuff is scripted by any means, but rather ultimately they get to decide as producers as editors as directors the 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 footage that's going to go into it and how that can really shape a person on the show Mm -hmm. um the thing is i mean i've heard a lot of people talk about that whether it be like kaylin or geo or asaf a lot of people talk about the power of the edit um i think it's really the power of the story Uh, they really you, you get depicted i mean people were you know we act in habit I mean, if, when you're in a house for that long, you're going to consistently act the way you act. There's not, like, there's not enough of you acting outside yourself even like, oh, they're going to use that and use it against me. No. And I think it's the power of the story. And I think as producers, they don't really pick and choose how they want to portray you. It's, they're looking for the story. Whatever fits the story best, that's what they're going to do. Wow. And if the, story, if the story is Julie and I and Gio's the villain, that's the way it just happened. Mm-hmm. That's it's so not like, oh, you're a bad person, Gio. It's just that when it comes to the romance and the story that they're trying to portray, you fall into that category for their story. And they're not, they don't want to be like, okay, they don't look out and say, we're going to make this person that, that person that, that person that. As the show goes on, they're looking for the story. And it's the power of the story, not really the power of the edit. And if you fall into line in some sort of either protagonist or antagonist or side character within the story, that's the way you're going to be used. That's a phenomenal perspective. The, the power of the story, not the power of the edit. That's something that we're going to have to talk about moving forward. I think we're going to have to steal that phrase. I like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, it's just so nice to hear from someone who kind of has breaking the mold, especially if Are You the One. There aren't a ton of successful couples from the show. There are few and far between. But to hear from you and know that you and Julie are doing so well and, and you guys are happy together – I don't know. I just love hearing that, especially as a fan of the show and seeing you guys and your and your relationship unfold. I don't know. It just makes me happy talking to you and knowing like you guys are happy. You're in a good place and 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 life after the show is good. Yeah, no, life the show is great. It's well, been good. I'm glad you guys had me on too. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You guys hit me back up. <laughs> Thank Will you so do. much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night, Stephen. The Recap, presented by ICTV, will return next week. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at the underscore recap and like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the recap podcast. 